0: Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast.
1: You gotta light them up before they burn down.
0: Save us all who they gonna burn it down Save us all Before they burn it down This episode of the Steadfast in Law podcast is brought to you by our dear friends at the United States Concealed Carry Association. The U.S. Concealed Carry Association was founded to help responsibly armed Americans like you prepare for the before, during, and after of a self-defense incident. Their membership truly has everything you need to gain peace of mind during these turbulent times. Members get life-saving self-defense education, industry-leading training, and self-defense liability insurance. And best of all, it is 100% risk-free with their money back bulletproof guarantee. Don't wait until it's too late. Click Learn More to explore United States Concealed Carry Association membership. And remember, the USCCA is not an insurance company. A policy has been issued to the USCCA by Universal Fire and Casualty Insurance Company. That policy provides the association and its members with self-defense liability insurance subject to its terms, conditions, limitations, and exclusions. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the StepFast and Loyal podcast. And as we teased you a little bit earlier, January is National Stalking Awareness Month. This is a big deal. This is a big issue. And when we're talking about this whole thing about stalking, I could not think of anyone else who could better articulate this, a person that has been a victim of stalking and that has had an incredible effect on her life, and that's my dear friend, University of Tennessee graduate also, Nikki Goser. Nikki is the author of Stalked and Defenseless, How Gun Control Helped My Stalker Murder My Husband in Front of Me. She is also the Executive Director of the Crime Prevention Research Center. And Nikki is joining us right now from Knoxville, Tennessee. Nikki, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Alan. I'm doing well. Good to see
0: you. Absolutely great to see you. So tell us your story about how here you are with your husband out for an evening. And the next thing you know, he has been shot dead right in front of you.
1: In 2009, um, Ben was murdered right in front of me by a man who was stalking me. We, uh, Ben and I owned a mobile karaoke business at the time, and we had a contract with a-, a restaurant to run karaoke shows every Thursday night. And I also ran karaoke shows in downtown Nashville. This man was a karaoke customer, and he became somewhat of a regular. He would come in to sing. And he started to send me messages over social media. Of course, social media is how you retain your customer base. His messages at first were normal, but then they started to progress in a different light. And he became inappropriate and um, sending me creepy. I think most women would probably say the messages were creepy and flirtatious. Uh, I blocked him. I deleted him and blocked him from my social media. And then, um, you know, Ben actually asked him to leave me alone. And, um, this man ended up coming like a month later into a venue where we had never seen him before. Ben's already asked him, you know, please leave my wife alone. What's he doing here? So that was when I realized I was being stalked.
0: Now and, in the, in that whole process, were you able to get some type of restraining order against him? I mean, using the evidence that you already had.
1: Um, He had not done anything that really indicated to me that he was stalking me up until the night that he murdered my husband. That was the very first time that I realized I was being stalked. Yes, he was creepy. Yes, he was inappropriate. But when you work in the tourism industry in downtown Nashville, you come across all kinds of people and you're going to have customers that are occasionally drunk or creepy or inappropriate and they're your customers. You're nice to them. And, um, I did not realize I was being stalked until that very night. And I asked management to remove him. I told him, I said, please help me get this guy out of here. He's stalking me.
0: So what ended up happening that night? Because You are a very well-trained and proficient uh, user of handguns, but obviously you respected the law. You respected the fact that you were not supposed to have a firearm in that venue, but uh, your assailant did not.
1: Correct. Yeah, the restaurant where we were was a gun-free zone. And I followed the law. I left my legal permitted handgun that I normally carried for self-defense locked in my vehicle. Of course, the man who was stalking me did not have a permit to carry, brought a gun into a gun-free zone illegally. And when management confronted him and asked him to leave at my request, he pulled a 45 from a shoulder holster and shot my husband in the head. He then stood over Ben and continued to fire six more rounds into him. And I'll probably wonder for the rest of my life if I could have prevented that. Of course, I'll never know because I was denied a chance. I was stalked and defenseless.
0: Well, the interesting thing is that, you know, we continue to hear that we need more gun control laws, but gun control laws only apply to law abiding citizens. And so the increase in gun control laws really does nothing to a person that is a a criminal and has a deranged, delusional mindset, uh, they could care less. And so that was obviously the case with your killer. Uh, Was he apprehended there at uh, at that venue, or did the police have to track him down? What happened?
1: So a United States Marine just happened to be in the crowd and tackled my stalker, Ben's murderer. And about four or five other men jumped on top of him And they all held him until the police came. They disarmed him. He had already put the gun back in the holster. Mm. And um, I can tell you that I was told the police, they arrived within three minutes of the 911 call. Um, And that's incredibly fast.
0: Yeah, but But still not fast enough.
1: I can tell you when it's happening to yourself or your loved one, it seems like an eternity.
0: Yeah. Well, now, here you have a case where, There are multiple witnesses. They see this man come into a, quote unquote, gun-free zone. He does not have a permit. That's a felony right there on top of things. He draws, he fires and shoots your husband. He stands over your husband, continues to shoot, which shows me this is intentional. This is first degree, premeditated murder even. How is it that he does not get charged with first degree, premeditated murder?
1: He actually did get charged with first degree, but despite all of the overwhelming evidence of first degree, uh, it was a bench trial, no jury. A liberal judge by the name of Seth Norman actually dropped it to the lesser offense of only second degree. And in Tennessee, that's only 15 to 25 years. He got 23 years at 100% with no parole, but that was a lie. I don't think people realize that even murderers they when they're sentenced to 100% um in my state they're still allowed to get early release good behavior credits so this man is set right now to be released in 2028
0: so in 5 years a man will be released from prison that walked into a place where he was not supposed to have a firearm. He did not have a permit to carry the firearm, shot your husband in the head, stood over and pretty much so emptied the magazine because the 45 has seven, maybe eight rounds uh, that it can carry. Uh, he is charged by the police because there's no doubt about that. But a judge, Seth Norman, he makes the unilateral decision to downgrade this to Second degree is Seth Norman still on the bench?
1: No, he he was pretty old at the time. He's now retired. He's well into his eighties at this point. But um, yeah, the uh, police when they searched this man's vehicle at the crime scene, they found two more guns, ammunition. Um, they found you know binoculars, gloves, rope, and a knife.
0: Oh, so the intent was there. So to me. You know, with all of this overwhelming evidence, there should have been some consequences, ramifications on this Judge Seth Norman for downgrading. Did he give a reason why he all of a sudden downgraded it to second degree?
1: Well, you know, the defense tried for insanity defense, and that did not work. But they brought in mental health experts insisting that this man— has delusional disorder of the persecutory type and erotomania and you know vanderbilt mental health experts who cares Uh, yes the judge felt sorry for him
0: well (laughs) see that's the problem we have with these leftist judicial activists who cares about feeling sorry who cares about you know all of a sudden you make the criminal into a victim and you completely disregard the victim because your hell has not stopped just because this man is behind the bars. Tell the audience what has continued to happen over all these years.
1: Uh, This man has continued to stalk me. He's just been doing it from prison. What he has done is sent um, twisted love letters to me for years. And I finally got the attention of the feds, and they charged him with um, federal felony stalking. He has now pled guilty to that. Um, He's going to get one extra year, um, this time in federal prison, Mm -hmm. after he's done with his state prison time. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's still going to be released, Alan. It's terrifying.
0: Well, to me, that's incredible in that just one extra year for his continuing uh, stalking of you, continue to make you a victim. It seems to me that, as you just said, uh, this good behavior that he has gotten, that should be vacated. And you talk about uh, Tennessee just recently passed the first ever lifetime order of protection. Can you tell us, how does that help you in your situation?
1: Um, Well, in Tennessee... In order to file for an order of protection, you know, you can only get an order of protection for a year. Like severe, severe cases, like at the worst, you might be able to get five years. And I just thought, this is not right. You know, for extremely severe cases like this, I should have a lifetime order of protection and the penalties should be severe, and there are just some instances that are, are bad enough to where you should never have to go petition a court again for an order of protection. Yeah. So I worked with Tennessee legislators um, and they actually have a new law, the Lifetime Order of Protection. And I was the very first Tennessean to be granted that. And uh, Kentucky has now taken it up. They now have a bill and I believe New York as well. And um, their upcoming legislative sessions, they're going to vote on that.
0: Now, how is it that can this trial or whatever, can it be retried? Because there is no doubt that this gentleman was guilty of first degree murder Uh, and to release this violent criminal who continues to stalk you continues to engage you first and foremost i don't know how he's writing letters to you from jail i mean what is going on in jail they're not checking you know their their correspondence what have you but to me it seems like here is a person without a doubt that should never see the light of day and never should be released back into civil society
1: i i absolutely agree um It's absolutely terrifying to think that he's going to be out one day and based on his past behavior, I don't, I don't think this is someone who is going to be reformed. I think this is a very, very dangerous person. And the chances for recidivism here are very great.
0: Now, what can you do? You know, he will be, if he is released within the next five or six years, what other than this uh lifetime order of protection, what does that really do for you? What can you do for yourself uh knowing that this person's out in the streets and you're right he he probably will not uh be rehabilitated, and so you are still at risk of being stalked, but we don't want to see you defenseless
1: right, well, I still carry my handgun every single day um you know honestly alan i'm I'm probably just gonna have to take care of myself, you know, I, I may end up having to go through the secretary of state's office. They have an address confidentiality program. Um, do I want to have to do that? No, I don't. Do I, do I want to change my name? No, I like my name, but a lot of victims of stalking have to do that for severe cases. Um, you know, I certainly don't want to have to go run and hide, you know, why should I have to change my life? He's the one that broke
0: the law. He's what? the person who's evil. Yeah, with, with no, there's no doubt about that. And what is even probably more perplexing is that this individual gets out of jail. He goes right back to, you know, stalking and going after you. Now, you take an action and you drop him dead. Now, all of a sudden, you know, the, the system of justice is going to come after you. Uh, without a doubt, will there be some jurist that says, "Well, you know, you were not kind to him, Maybe he was coming up to apologize. Uh, how do you feel about the system of justice or injustice uh when it comes to your case?
1: Well, it's definitely concerning um, the fact that he's getting out at all is very concerning. It really makes me question our criminal justice system. I tell people. Yeah, they call it the criminal justice system, but it's just a system. Um, I think a lot of times there's not a lot of justice to it. Um, I'm just going to do whatever I have to do to protect myself and my loved ones within the law and hope and pray that. Honestly, maybe this sounds not very Christian like Ellen, but I, I actually hope that he dies in prison. I do.
0: No, there's nothing wrong with you saying that because there was a part of your life that he took away and he killed. Uh, and, and so we have to think about it. and again, we have to stop making criminals victims. And that's one of the things we see with all of this bail reform laws and, and everything, which are releasing violent criminals back out onto the streets. And what they end up doing, like you said, recidivism, they go right back to committing crimes. And, you know, I think that we should hold a lot of these judges that are making these decisions, responsible, and maybe they should spend some time in jail when these people that they have, you know, released, they go back out and they can can continue to commit crimes. So I think Seth Norman should also serve, you know, one year because of this, uh, all these letters that are being written to you. If that's a felony offense, it would not be happening if Seth Norman maybe had done the right thing in the first place.
1: Well, I'm definitely not happy with Seth Norman, Um, but all I can do is hope and pray that this man will somehow no longer be a a threat to me. And I think the only way that's possible is if he has a massive heart attack in prison or I don't know.
0: What is your message to other women out there right now who are listening and, and seeing you Maybe many of them learning about you for the first time. Again, the book is Stalked and Defenseless How Gun Control Helped My Stalker Murder My Husband in Front of Me. What's your message to women all across the United States of America, maybe even the world?
1: Sure. I would say that, you know, when seconds count, uh, the police are likely minutes away. And it's not the police fault. You know, they try to do the best they can, but even police know they can't be anywhere and everywhere at any time. And, you know, at the end of the day, you are your own first responder and you should absolutely take measures to protect yourself and your loved ones. And I believe the best way to do that is to get professional firearms training, get situational training and carry a handgun every day to protect the lives of the people that you love.
0: Well, Nikki Goser, the executive director of the Crime Prevention Research Center, we applaud you for your strength of courage and character. And how can people follow you? How can people get your book stalked and defenseless?
1: Sure. Um, you can check out the Crime Prevention Research Center at crimeresearch.org. And then my website is stalkedanddefenseless.com. My book, Stalked and Defenseless, is available online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble.
0: Well, thank you so very much. And I hope to see you next time I'm up there in Knoxville and uh, we can maybe take in a University of Tennessee game and seeing Rocky Top when they score a touchdown.
1: That would be great.
0: All right. You take care, Nikki. God bless you and his uh, blood and hedge of protection around you.
1: Thanks so much, Alan. You take yeah, care.
0: You too. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Law Podcast. Special shout out and thanks for Nikki Gosser To all you ladies out there, you do not ever want to find yourself in the position that Nikki was in, stalked and defenseless. And so this month, January, National Stalking Awareness Month, learn more about her story. Learn more about how you can make sure that you protect yourself and always be situationally aware of what's going on and make sure that you are going out and advocating for real justice, not judicial activism, not social justice that allows someone guilty of first-degree murder to be released from prison. If you like this podcast, please hit the like button and share it with others. Until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down